Today we're continuing our sermon series on who we are. We're spending three weeks looking at our vision statement. Last week we looked at the first part, seek God. Today we will share the second part, share love. Our text for this sermon comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I'm with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, teach us how to love. Teach us how to love the way that you love, that the world might know our God, that the world might know God's great love. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. The Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Well, it's time to look at ourselves. Last week, we spent our time talking about our vertical relationship, that relationship with God and how we stay connected with God through prayer and study and fasting, through accountability and through the sacrament of Holy Communion. But today, we'll look at our horizontal relationships. We reveal what we believe about God by the way that we treat one another. If you want to know what I believe about God, look at the way I treat my neighbor. Philosopher Martin Buber uh, claimed that at every moment, in every interaction, we are treating people either as people or as objects. We're, we're always treating one another as people or objects. Jesus noticed the same tendency. In the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, he's referring back to Old Testament scriptures Leviticus 19.18 says very explicitly that we are to love our neighbors, although it doesn't define our neighbor. Other parts of the Old Testament do leave some wiggle room for hatred, for hating our enemies, for being violent towards our enemies. And so it is reasonable that the common way of thinking in Jesus' day was to love your neighbor, to love those that you get along with, and, and to hate those that oppose you. Now, let's be honest, that's the kind of love we can really get behind. It's a love that allows us to be friends with those that we like and that like us and allows us a lot of room for being upset and angry with those that are different. We can form cliques with our like-minded people. We can gather only with those with whom we disagree, and then we can objectify and oppose all of those other people. From the comfort of our cliques, we can oppose anybody with whom we disagree. Our enemies will become objects rather than people. To give you an example, think about the way that the soldiers treated Jesus when they arrested him. Now, Jesus was a convicted criminal. We probably don't agree with the, with the charges and we don't agree with the outcome of the trial, but by the time he comes to the soldiers, Jesus is a convicted criminal and they do have a job to do. The job that they are given is to beat Jesus, to scourge him, and then ultimately to crucify him. Uh, but they went way beyond that. 
they hit him in the face with their fists. They, they pulled his beard out in the handfuls. They fashioned a, a crown of thorns and they beat it down on his scalp. They mocked him. They made fun of him. They hit him with rods and they spat on him. There was no need for that. That was not a part of the job. They were going above and beyond. They objectified Jesus. They took out whatever frustrations they had on him. But their actions were not just to fulfill an order. Their desire was to, to humiliate, to dehumanize Jesus. Uh, so much of what they did was not a part of their command, but it was done to just hurt just to attack, to dehumanize. They saw Jesus as an object. Their hearts were at war. Our hearts are at war sometimes too. It's easy to objectify people, especially those people with whom we disagree. We do it far too often these days. We objectify people by race, by political party, by orientation, by religion, by nationality, we objectify them, and once objectified, it's easy to attack. It's even easy, even easy for us to begin to hate. Once we cease to see someone as human, once we fail to see their divine value, it's easy for us to, to slide into hatred. You love your neighbors, hate your enemies. Hearts at war. Well, that wasn't good enough for Jesus. So he gave the great commandment. Love God with all that's in us and love our neighbors as ourselves. And Jesus in that story defines our neighbors, really in the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus defines our neighbors as uh, everyone, even those that believe differently and even those with whom we, uh, we are uh, in, at odds. Even our enemies get included among our neighbors in that story. And so Jesus says we're to love all people like we love ourselves. Now that's a whole lot better than hatred. But is it really enough to treat others like I treat myself? What if I'm too hard on myself? What if I'm a perfectionist, I'm a workaholic? What if I hate the way that I look? See, sometimes treating others the way I treat myself is really not a whole lot better because sometimes we treat ourselves pretty poorly. Uh, sometimes it's very hard for me to forgive myself. And if I treat others in that same kind of standard, then my heart's still going to be at war. For example, I, I love my kids. I really do. But especially looking back over my life raising them, I realize that sometimes I have been way too harsh with them I've been harsh with them for not being as hard on themselves as I am on myself. I expect my family and the people close to me to hold themselves to the same kind of standard that sometimes I try to hold myself to, an unhealthy standard for me, and I project that onto others. It can be tough living with a perfectionist. You see, our hearts can be at war even with the people closest to us people that we really do love. If we'd be honest with ourselves this morning, we've all objectified the people that we value the most. Spouses, parents, children, our best friends. There are times that we can only see them as objects and we treat them as objects and we go to war, we have bitter arguments that 
are not necessary and not helpful. Our hearts can be at war even with the people closest to us. Jesus even edited his own commandment. Now, Jesus gave the great commandment. You would think it would be perfect. But now in John 13, at the very end of Jesus' life on earth, Jesus edits his own commandment. He expands his own commandment. In this text today, Jesus says, Love others as I have loved you. Now, that's a different standard, isn't it? Jesus isn't saying to love others the way that we love ourselves, but to love other people the way that Jesus loves us. I'm supposed to love you like Jesus loves you. Wow. Now, that's a whole nother standard, isn't it? Jesus was patient with his followers, even when they kept getting it wrong, even when they were stubborn, even when they kept making mistakes. Jesus was patient with them. Jesus kept accepting invitations to his enemies' homes. Religious people kept inviting Jesus to their homes for dinner. And Jesus kept accepting. He kept going. He kept sharing the story, even though he knew those very people were plotting to kill him. The religious leaders kept inviting him over to lay a trap for him so they could kill him. And Jesus knew that. And he went anyway. He went into their homes. And he shared his message. He shared the love anyway. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus served communion to all of the disciples. Now, he knew that they were going to run away shortly. He knew that one of those in the room would betray him, Judas. He also knew that Peter would deny him three times. And yet, in spite of those failures, Jesus shares Holy Communion. He shares our sacrament with traitors, with people that will, with friends that will turn their backs on him. Jesus shares with them anyway. And then on the cross, Jesus looks down at the very people that had dehumanized him, the very people who humiliate him, who hit him, who mocked him, who spat on him. He looked at those very same people and he said, Father, forgive them. Forgive the people who dehumanized me. Wow. Jesus saw the image of God in every person. He treated every person around him as as valuable, as having divine value. And because of that, Jesus' heart was at peace. Now, some of us will object that there are people in the world that are doing evil things. It's right to oppose some people, isn't it? Out of our Christian duty, shouldn't we oppose some people? Well, absolutely. We have a calling to resist evil and justice and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. Sometimes we have to take a stand against certain people who are doing unjust things, certain people who are, who are doing evil. We have to take a stand. But taking a stand does not require us to denigrate, to belittle, to humiliate, or to dehumanize anyone. We can oppose someone for their stance. We can resist someone's evil actions. But we can do so without dehumanizing. We can still love them like Jesus. Now, This week we will likely encounter dozens of people. 
In each instance, we'll have the opportunity to see them as objects or as people. Our hearts will either be at war or at peace. May we be so full of the Holy Spirit that we always see the image of God in every person. May God help us live with hearts at peace. Amen.